0: Father, I thank you again for just the ability that we have to come together today, Father. And I do lift up the rescue mission, God, and it's amazing how they have, I just have the privilege of following them on social media and reading how they are still ministering even during this virus, Father, and their people, and they have such, they're the people that serve their God, they have these beautiful smiles on their faces as they are serving, Father, just homeless families. They're feeding, they're helping kids, God, with their schoolwork, even during this distance learning time, and they're providing shelter for families. They're trying to keep families together, they're housing individuals, Lord, and they're doing so much in this community, Father, and, and they go, um, they just thrive off of the, the hearts of people who um, are prompted to donate, Lord, and so we thank you for them, Father, and I pray, Father, that you would prompt people all across father this city uh, to continue to donate and i thank you for the families that they're able to house right now god that are there i thank you father that this is a a faith-based organization where they can hear the gospel god and that they can come to know you so not only are they getting their physical needs needs met father but that they're getting exposed to you and we just pray father for each and every person that is in there right now father that they would come to know you and that they would come to love you, Father, and that they would be able, Father, to transition into homes of their own, Father, yes. and that they would be able to establish families, Father, and raise their children in the fear and the admonition and God and so I thank you for that and I thank you for those that are continuing to serve father protect them from the virus God that they would not get sick God and on days when they don't feel well but yet they continue to serve tirelessly God strengthen the, the, your servants Lord and father on, on days when the food might be a little low I pray that you would extend it father to feed everyone that is there Lord and so I thank you for that God and I just pray that the money that we are able to donate that it would go a long way and feed many many people or excuse me whatever they might need it for Lord and so father I just thank you that we have the opportunity to sow into these people's lives God and father as we come this morning just just with a united heart father and we unite our hearts together and then it, and then together we unite our hearts With the body of Christ, Father All over, people that are coming And worshiping in and, and homes, Father And um, They're worshiping you, and people are Now doing what we've been doing all along, Father People are just coming together and worshiping You in their home, Lord, and we just Thank you for this opportunity that we have And we thank you for this home, and I pray that you would Bless it and protect it, Father And we thank you for what it means to us, Lord And so as we as we gather This morning, Father, I pray that you would Uh, It would be a pleasant aroma to you, Father, and that you would be encouraged, Father, and that it would um, in turn encourage us in your name. amen. Amen.
1: facing, God, we thank you, Lord, that you are faithful to see it through us, to see us through it. And Father, I just thank you yet again for another opportunity to come together to open up your word. Pray, God, that we'd be attentive to the leading of your Holy Spirit this day, God. Father, that we would allow you full access to our hearts. God, that we wouldn't Father, get distracted, Lord. Father, that we would allow you, Lord Jesus, to search us, see if there be any wicked way within us. Test us, Lord. Refine us, Father, to be more and more in the image of your Son. That we may go forth, Father, to do thy will, that we would be effective harvesters, lord laborers in the harvest field so father whatever is needed in each of our lives today individually and corporately father may your will be done i pray in jesus name amen so galatians chapter 6 verse 7 don't be misled the justice of God, or you cannot mock the justice of God, you will harvest what you plant. Again, this is a verse that we keep before us. I'm hoping that you're keeping it before you um, each day, and really allowing um, the Holy Spirit to work within you to really bring conviction to the areas of your lives that aren't honoring Him. That before you go to plant a seed that ought not to be planted, that you would Heed the conviction and turn and go the other way. To plant that which is right. To plant that which is true. To plant that which is honorable to God, to Christ Jesus. I want us to go today to John 15. We're going to read John 15 and then we're going to go into John 16 um, verses 1 through 15. But as we're thinking about this scripture that is set before us throughout this year, Galatians 6, verse 7. And as I was praying through it this week, I kept coming back to John 15. And these are Jesus' words. I am the true vine, or the great vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more you have already been pruned and purified by the message i have given you remain in me and i will remain in you for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, Your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends. Since I have told you everything... The Father told me, listen to this, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command, love each other. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it. But you are no longer part of the world I chose you to come out of the world So it hates you Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master Since they persecuted me Naturally they will persecute you And if they had listened to me They will listen to you They will do all this to you because of me For they have rejected the one who sent me They would not be guilty if I had not come and spoken to them. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Anyone who hates me also hates my father. If I hadn't done such miraculous signs among them that no one else could do, they would not be guilty. But as it is, they have seen everything I did, yet they still hate me and my father. This fulfills what is written in their scriptures They hated me without cause. But I will send you the Advocate, the Spirit of Truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. And you must also testify about me because you have been with me from the beginning of my ministry. I have told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith. For you will be expelled from the synagogue. And a time is coming when those who kill you will think they are doing a holy service for God. This is because they have never known the Father or me. Yes, I am telling you these things now, so that when they happen, you will remember my warning. I didn't tell you earlier because I was going to be with you a while longer. But now I am going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking, where am I going? Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory. Am I telling you whatever he receives from me? All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said, the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. Jesus' words. He is the branch, he's the grapevine. I'm sorry. And we are the branch. Apart from him we can do nothing We are to remain in him We are to abide in him And as I've been encouraging us As scripture encourages us If we are Christians and our new identity is in Christ There's nothing in and of ourselves That we can do To please God God is pleased all because of what Jesus accomplished Amen. And all because of who Jesus is Not, of, not anything of me Not anything of you are you in Christ today? Are you engrafted into His family? Have you received the Holy Spirit, the one in whom He's telling the disciples will come, and listen to the work of the Holy Spirit? This is what Scripture says: When He comes, He will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father, and you will see me no more. And judgment will come, because the ruler of this world has already been judged. So the Holy Spirit is to bring conviction. He reveals God's righteousness through Christ. And He announces the coming judgment that is to come upon the earth. And Jesus is telling us here, remain in me. And did you also hear when He says that a true friend would lay their life down for the others, as He did for us. And as He did, so He calls us to lay our life down to die to, the, to our old self. To deny ourselves, to pick up His cross and to follow Him. This isn't just, and as we've heard not only me say, but others say, and hopefully you understand this. This isn't a lifestyle of just a, a little prayer and then poof, you just keep living however you want. That is not the Christian life. The Christian life is one that is bearing fruit. Amen. Again, it's not a perfected life. We're not perfect until we are with Christ. But until then, our position is in Him. We can walk upright in a crooked world. We don't have to give in to temptation. He makes a way out of every temptation. But if we do sin, we feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. He reminds us of God's righteousness through Christ and the judgment that's coming. For those that are found apart from Christ. So we repent, we get up, and we keep moving forward. Sin is not to be our master any longer. We're not identifying with the old man, the old woman any longer. We're not identifying with the desires of the flesh. We're not identifying any longer with the ways of the world. And we're surely not identifying as children of Satan the father of lies. This week I I sat down and I just began to list out unfortunately some of the bad fruit that we see not only in our fellowship but in the church at large. And as I've been writing these out I've been saying, Lord, your truth offends. It's an equal opportunity to offend everyone. Truth hurts, truth offends. Because your flesh doesn't want to hear the truth. Your flesh rather continue to go its way, what it knows, and by its desires. By the pool of the world. And by the enslavement of Satan. But the word of God says greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. And so I want you to hear some of the fruit that, that maybe even is has been in your life. Or is still in your life. But it ought not to be what's defining us. So as I'm reading through this list. It If you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, if you feel offended, then I want you not to to turn inward and look at yourself and make excuses. No, I want you to be drawn into repentance as the Holy Spirit is bringing conviction to free us from the sin that so easily entangles us. So here we go. This is a life, as as I'm reading through this list, again, if any of this is active in our lives, something's wrong. We're not not abiding, we're not remaining in Christ. You know, before I, I became a Christian, before the Lord so graciously revealed Himself to me, the majority of my life I heard how much God hated me. That I was an abomination. That God didn't love me. And as I said before multiple times throughout the years. That was true. If I would have died. And that those seasons of my life. I would have gone to an eternal hell. Just the same as you would have. Before Christ. Before Christ. And as we've been hearing for quite some time now, there's no error found in God. If I would have died then and gone to hell, there would have been no fault found in God. Error lies within man, the created being, who has sinned, against the holy God. But God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever would believe in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have eternal life. You see, God is pleased to reveal Himself to us through His Son Jesus. And at the point that I was going to end my physical life, Jesus stepped in. All of those years before the time that he stepped in, he was stepping in. See, throughout your life, throughout your rebellion, God has been trying to reveal himself to you. You have to remember that God's will is that none shall perish. But he's not going to force us to follow him. But he does provide a way out of his wrath a way out of judgment through his son Jesus through the holy spirit that brings forth conviction that reveals God's righteousness through Christ and of the judging com- judgment of the coming judgment God was pleased to reveal himself to me my eyes were open and yet though for so long i had such Issues with God. For so long I had all this misconception. All these false ideals of who God was. And in an instant I felt his love. His love. Nothing can compare to God's love you all. Nothing can compare when the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords steps into your life, reveals Himself to you, and in an instant, all the years that I heard what a sinful, wretched, wicked man that I was, I agreed with. In an instant, I saw how sinful I was. In an instant, I saw how rebellious i have been. In an instant, I saw my need for God. And as I told you before, as I've shared my testimony, in, in that instant, the very God, for many years that I've hated, for many years that I've tried to dismiss, my hands went over my head, and oh God, you're real. In an instant all my issues with God faded away and I saw my need for Him. I couldn't help but to yield and bow down before a holy God. And since that day, that day when it happened, it was a good almost year or so, for the first year, I was fighting left and right with the Holy Spirit. I'll give you this, but I'll keep this. I'll give you that, but I'm going to keep this. And the sad thing is, if if I would have listened to the so-called Christians around me, they weren't really Christians, They had a form of religion, but they, not, they denied his power. I wasn't involved in a church, but I had so-called Christians who were in church extending me the, the false grace to remain who I was. They weren't bold enough to tell me the truth. Because they themselves did not know the truth. They were fine, like I said before, they were fine clubbing with me, drugging with me, (laughs) drinking with me, gossiping with me, doing all this other stuff with me. And I knew even at that time something was wrong. That the God who stepped into my life hadn't stepped into theirs. Because the God who stepped into my life began to transform me. That it began to irritate them. Like something is wrong, church. When we are not celebrating what God is doing in the lives of others. Making them more and more and to the image of His Son. Something is wrong <laughs> where people whom God has begun to work in can't connect with the body of Christ who themselves the work has begun in and collectively we're growing together. We're maturing together. Not perfected, <laughs> But maturing. And I keep telling us, like, the days to come are only going to get crazier. And for over the past few years, I've been saying, like, I'm concerned that as the church, we're not ready for the days that are ahead. The wickedness that is going to rise up. The level of deception that is already here. But it's only going to get worse. If you are not rooted in Christ, if you are not bearing fruit, if you aren't allowing the Lord to prune your life, something is wrong. You're going to get taken. You're going to get overwhelmed. You're going to fall prey to the the deception of the enemy. You're going to fall prey to the pull of the world. And you're going to fall prey to the desires of your flesh. And you're not going to be found in Christ. You're going to be found outside of Christ. You're going to be found like those people outside of the ark, carrying on, just living however they want to live, didn't recognize the signs of the time. And Jesus himself says that the days will be worse than the days of Noah before he returns. But oh, how the church needs to awaken to God's truth. That we are drawn to Christ, that we abide in Christ, that we do not allow sin to master us. Because as I've said before, how sad it is we say, yes, we believe in a resurrected Christ. We believe in His forgiveness. We believe in His transformation. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit that we've been born again, that He rose from the dead, He defeated sin and death, and yet we live lives that are contrary to the truth in which we say we believe. That makes a mockery of God. And the people that are around you, that does not reveal to them truly who God is. Oh, we have to wake up, church. We have to wake up. Here's the fruit that I've seen over the years in our fellowship, in the church at large. You know, people always would ask me, Oh, well, how do you preach the gospel to the homosexual? The same way you do to one who gossips? <laughs> the same way you do to a drunkard that is sitting in church? The same way you do as a thief? The same way you do as any other sin? Sin is sin. <laughs> Carrie sent me this article the other day that really started making me think and praying for the church. This woman who is in the, who's a lesbian who is about to get married or marry another woman, and she's in this church. And she's involved in all the activities of church, she's involved in Bible study, she's involved, she's serving on committees. She wants to get baptized, and throughout the years, for a length of time, they kept putting it off about her not getting baptized, putting it off. And finally, when she pushed the issue, she was told she couldn't be because she was a homosexual, which is the right thing. But why didn't they tell her at the beginning? And why is she seeing other people being baptized? Who's actively participating in sin. She knows the sin that they're in. And everyone else can be baptized, but not her. And now she's offended. Now she's wounded. And now she has issues with the church. See... We can't pick and choose which sinners we're going to hold down. No, if you are actively in sin, something is wrong. If you are actively, knowingly participating, you have no conviction of truth in your life, no matter what that sin is. You're not a Christian. You may say, say, I disagree. And I say, well, you find me scripture then that gives you ground to stand. Again, if you're actively participating, living in, being mastered by sin, you're only holding a form of religion and you're denying his power. Again, the level of deception that's going to come on this earth as we're getting towards the days that He appears is going to be at a greater level than any of us has ever known. It's going to be at such a level, and it's already on the earth. People are deceived. People don't want to hear truth. People are easily offended. People will kill you. The level of persecution that is rising up on this earth, on the church, is the highest that we've ever seen before, and it's only going to get worse. People in and of themselves are not going to want to hear truth. They just want to live however they want to live. We have to wake up. We can't remain asleep. We can't just be keeping lulled asleep by the enemy. Giving ourselves rights to live however we want to live and do whatever we want to do and slap His name on us. No, we have to see Him for who He is. Again, all those years of my life where I was told that God hated me and I was abomination melted away in the instant... In that moment, when he stepped in and revealed how much he loved me. Again, I recognized how sinful I was. How rebellious I was. And my great need for his love. I didn't hold up my fist at him in that moment as I did all those years. And blame him. I didn't point my finger at him and lay out all my accusations against him. I didn't say to him, look what your people did to me. No, no, I couldn't say anything. All I could do is bow. Oh, dear Lord. And be fully embraced. And as I begin, as I began to say earlier, and so throughout that process, it was a tug and a pull. It was, I'll hold on to a little of this, you can have that. But it was, and finally a day came. You have all of me, Lord. Has that day come for you? Has that day come for you where you say, you have all of me? All of my imperfection, all of the act of sin that is still in my life, God, I just give it all to you. Full reign, full access, God. I don't want to live any longer, but Christ live in and through me. Not my will any longer, but Lord, your will be done. I don't know what my life is going to look like once I get up from this place. But that's okay because I know in whom my life is in. It's in Christ. Do you have that confidence today? If not, then something is wrong. Something is wrong. And oh, how I pray that you will fall upon your face and cry out to God. And that you would sense and step in, reveal Himself to you, that you fully see your need for your Savior, that you're not holding up your fist against Him, that you're not laying out all the accusations, that you're not just holding on to things in your life because that's what makes you feel at peace with yourself, but that you come to a complete... Surrender. You love Him when you obey Him. Do you hear Jesus' words? So as I read these, this list, if these are active sin in your life that you are willingly participating in, that you don't care that hearing the truth doesn't even bother you. Something is wrong. But if you feel the conviction, if you realize, wait a minute, oh God, that's me, and you feel the remorse, repent, just get up and move on. Christians, again, will sin, but sin doesn't master them. We don't identify with ourselves as, oh, I'm just an old sinner. No, that's your old identity. Keep telling yourself you're just a sinner and guess what you're going to do? Sin. Recognize your new identity in Christ. You are redeemed. You are born again. You are of the Spirit now. You are led by the Holy Spirit and you are to live a life that's not grieving the Holy Spirit. That there's fruit coming from our life. That's the evidence that you've been born again. Is there fruit coming from your life? Not that you have no sin in your life, but that there is fruit coming from your life. And you're not allowing sin to master you. But you're allowing the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit came to do. Again, remember the three works of the Holy Spirit. To bring conviction. To reveal God's righteousness through Jesus. And then to reveal the judgment that's coming. And I love what Scripture just said. And the judgment is coming because the enemy has already been judged. God's wrath is coming. Living without depending on the Holy Spirit's power. Lack of spiritual discipline and maturity. Prayer, Bible study, fasting, private and corporate worship. Forsaking fellowship with believers. Putting family, friends, and any other relationships before our relationship and obedience to the Lord. Religious works. A lying tongue. Slander, backbiting, Gossip, murmuring, complaining, jealousy, envy, a negative, unstable mindset, walking in offense, wrong motives of the heart, living in a false reality, believing your own lies, (laughs) vile and ungodly speech, betrayal, theft, anger, division, poor stewardship of time, finances, health, and gifts, thoughts of murder or plotting murder, adultery, abortion, shacking up, physical, verbal, emotional, spiritual, sexual abuse, rebellion, no respect for authority, unforgiveness, drug, alcohol, sexual, food addictions, pornography, sex out of wedlock, bisexuality, transgender confusion, identifying with no sex, homosexuality, and all other sexual perversions, excessive dependence on entertainment, social media, and other means of distraction. And so many more could be added. If this fruit is coming from your life... Something is wrong. (laughs) Something is wrong. If you don't feel the conviction when the Holy Spirit is convicting, something is wrong. These works are not glorifying God. And why we have existed in allowing the church to peddle this false gospel is beyond my understanding. I mean, well, in a way, I do understand because we only want to hear what's good for us. I remember the years that I lived when everyone told me what a sinner I was. I didn't want to listen. I didn't want to hear. But now when the Holy Spirit comes and brings conviction to my heart and to my life, Why are you acting that way? Why are you thinking that way? Why are you about to touch that? Why did you say that? When conviction comes, when he reminds me of God's righteousness through Christ, when he reminds me of the judgment that's coming, it humbles me. Oh God, I'm sorry. And to get up and you move on. You don't play the weird Christian game that people play where, like I've always said, we're like, oh, now I'm such a bad Christian. Oh, look, I can't do anything right. Oh, look, what people are going to think of me. All that weird stuff that we do when we point everything back to us and our eyes are not to be pointing on us or to be looking up unto Him. <laughs> Apart from you, Lord, I can do nothing. You call me to abide with you. God, forgive me for not abiding. And you get up and you move on. (laughs) Because you do have a, a godly sorrow for sin that is in your life. You don't want it to become active. You don't want to be a willing participant in it. You don't want to be just existing in it and allowing it to master you. Because that is not who you are. That is not where you are to remain. There is freedom in Christ. Amen. Like He rose from the dead. He defeated sin and death. Why would I yoke myself to it any longer? Why would I think I could get up each day and just live however when I live and show up on Sunday as if somehow that's enough for me? I've done my duties, Lord. No, that's religious works. Are you actively participating in a life that is led by the Holy Spirit? Do you see the difference? You're not actively, willingly being led by Satan, by your flesh, by the droll of the world. No, daily you're dying to it, <laughs> daily you're moving forward empowered by the Holy Spirit, realizing that this world is not your home. There is a job for you to do. There's works that you've been created to do to bring honor and glory to Him. And as I've said before, you and I are born for such a time as this. If you still have breath in your body, you have a purpose Not for yourself, but for God. For God. And this plague that is upon the nations should be revealing to you the condition of your heart. Where have you been spending the majority of your time? Where has your mind been? Where has your attitude been? Where has your flesh gone? Oh my goodness, how we are to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Growing and maturing. Not being, you know, enslaved to ourselves. But just being real, you all. There is going to come a day where we're going to stand before God. Every single one of us. And either we're going to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter in. Or he's going to look at us and say, depart from me, I never knew you. You worker of sin. You worker of sin. That is the fruit of your life. That is how you lived. You denied him. And you just lived for self. And you remember, the Bible tells us, when he says that to people, in return, they're going to come back to him. And they're going to make it all about them. Well, didn't I do this? And didn't I do this? And didn't I do this? And he says, depart from me. I never knew you. He's just. He is right. We don't have time to play church. We don't have time just to keep doing what we want to do. No, we need to bow our knees. We need to humble ourselves before a holy God. And cry out, God, I need you. Just as it is with a homosexual or someone who's struggling with their sexual identity, so it is with someone who can't shut their mouth. If it's an active, you're willingly participating in sin, it is mastering you. And you are not to be mastered. You are to be discipled. If you're saying that you are a Christian, you're not going to be satisfied with staying the way you were. You're not going to just easily open up your mouth and spew vileness. You're not just going to keep allowing yourself to be addicted to every form of whatever. You're not just going to keep running to the world and trampling Christ's blood underneath your feet and then go to bed I said, Ah, oh, it doesn't matter. We make a mockery of Him. And not everyone. Because the Christian life can be lived. We are brothers and sisters throughout the earth that are living for Christ. And in living for Christ, they are dying for Christ. Uphold truth, you all. What you harvest, you will plant. Or you will harvest what you plant. God's justice will not be mocked. Come on, we got to wake up. We got to wake up. Your life should be producing good fruit, lasting fruit. Your life should be impacting others with the good news of Jesus. You need to get grounded. You need to get rooted. You need to be discipled. You need it out the Holy Spirit. That full reign. Full reign. To walk with him, to talk with him. To extend the same love and the same grace that you've received to others. To extend forgiveness. everything that you have received, you should freely give. You shouldn't be someone who is just quick to hold a grudge and anger. You shouldn't be so easily twisted up by your desires that are from within. The same gospel that you would share to this sinner or to that, it's the same. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. And I'm sure throughout the years before I came to Christ, I wasn't ready to hear that. I'm sure the majority of people who were telling me that God I was an abomination, that I was a sinner, I'm sure within that same context, the same moment, they were telling me I needed Jesus. But I wasn't at a place to listen. All I heard first was the condemnation God hates me I'm an abomination I didn't want to hear anything else because I was a slave to sin I was a child of Satan and all I wanted to hear was the condemnation the condemnation the condemnation And if that's all that you hear is you being condemned and there's not a quickening to get up and move on into Christ, then you're a slave to yourself. And you're a slave to Satan. He is the father of lies. He comes to condemn. He doesn't convict He condemns because He stands condemned and He wants you to be standing with Him. But the Holy Spirit comes to convict and lead you out of condemnation. For now therefore there is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So come on church, we've got to wake up, we've got to wake up. We're living in exciting times. Exciting times. We must understand what Christ our Lord is calling us to and has called us to. It isn't a life just to get comfortable upon this earth. As we've heard here before, as we hear in Scripture, as we heard on Friday night, Jesus has made it clear And as the scripture we just read, the world is going to hate us. And it hates us because we don't belong to it any longer. they hate us because they hate Him. The call of a disciple, the call of a Christian, is a call to death. And yet, a call to life. Eternal. We don't make it easy. No, we keep the same standard as Jesus did. He tells those, before you come to me, consider the cost. Consider the cost. God Himself knows it's going to cost you something. Because it cost him everything. So come on you all. Let's get up. <laughs> and let's move forward. Don't allow sin to define us. Stop making your excuses for the sin that is active in your life. You are not to be enslaved to it any longer. Step out of it and in to the fullness and the grace of our God. Grace is the power to transform us. Grace is not our right to remain enslaved to sin. No, it's the power to transform. Are you living a transformed life? Oh, I pray that you are. Go to Numbers chapter 32. Through 33 is where we're heading today. God's people are about to enter the promised land. And again, when we read when we're reading about God's people, it could be so easy for us to go, "How how can they do that? We're no different." Again, these people were called out. Remember God's plan from the beginning to the end for all eternity to have a people that He will call His own, and in return, they will call Him their God. People who were truly satisfied. In Christ, in God. God was with His people. God was revealing Himself over and over and over. And yet they kept being drawn back. Kept being drawn back. Because their rebellion was more satisfying than their freedom that was found in God. Let that settle in. Their rebellion was more satisfying to them than the freedom that they found in their God. We're about to read where a couple of the tribes saw the lush land around them, saw the provision that was right in front of them for their cattle, for their herds, and for their family. And they would rather settle... For that that's on the outside of the promise than what's inside the promise are you living outside of the promise today seriously are you left out because that's what you chose to do my temporal provision before me looks better than the call to get up and to move into freedom and they didn't want to go in they wanted to settle the tribes of Reuben and Gad owned vast numbers of livestock chapter 32 so when they saw look at that that the lands of Jazer and Gilead were ideally suited for their flocks and herds. They came to Moses, Eleazar the priest, and the other leaders of a community. They said, notice the towns, and they list all these towns. The Lord has conquered this whole area for the community of Israel, and it's ideally suited for our livestock. If we have found favor with you, please let us have this land as our property instead of giving us land across the Jordan. Do you intend to stay here while your brothers go across and do all the fighting, Moses asked the men of Gad and Reuben? Why do you want to discourage the rest of the people of Israel for going across to the land the Lord has given them underline highlight that scripture look at it for a second why do you want to discourage the rest of the people of Israel from going across to the land the Lord has given them Your disobedience is costly It can discourage others from moving on into Christ. If these tribes were to stay back, the other tribes would begin to think well, what's the point of moving on? What's the point of growing and getting all that God has for me? Why don't I just take up camp here? I mean, they're getting away with it. They're doing it. They seem to still be blessed and and have things. Let's just all just take up camp and sit outside of the promise. God help us. And then Moses reminds them, verse 8, your ancestors did the same thing when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea, to explore the land after they went up to the valley of eschol and explored the land they discouraged the people of israel from entering the land the lord was giving them remember he sent the spies in they all came back only two had a good report the rest of them they were like oh no don't go don't go <laughs> Then the Lord was very angry with them. And he vowed, of all those I rescued from Egypt, not one who is 20 years or older will ever ever see the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For they have not obeyed me wholeheartedly. The only exceptions are Caleb and Joshua. For they have wholeheartedly followed the Lord. The Lord was angry with Israel and made them wander in the wilderness for 40 years until the entire generation that sinned in the Lord's sight had died. But here you are, a brood of sinners doing exactly the same thing. You are making the Lord even angrier with Israel. If you turn away from Him like this and he abandons them again in the wilderness, you will be responsible for destroying this entire nation. My God, your actions have consequences. Not only for yourself, but for your children, for your children's children, for your church, for your city, for your nation. And you say, oh no, Rob, come on. My life doesn't impact all that. Yes, it does. Come on. Your life should be impacting others for the good. For the glory of God. I'll take Norma for an example. Her life has transformed. Her choices and her decisions to follow Christ has not only affected her life, they've affected her family, her friends. When she's out in the city, she's impacting the city And she's been to many nations. All because of Christ. None of that could happen. To influence the world for the good. If she would have settled to remain outside of the promised land. If she would have settled to abide in herself. To take up residence with her desires, her wants, her longings, her needs, her insecurities, her hurts, her wounds. (laughs) None of these lives could have been impacted for the glory of God. Your life can make a difference and will make a difference if you would just yield to Christ. Receive Christ, obey Christ, live for Christ, and die to self. Your decisions affect everyone else, not just your life. That's why the cycles just keep continuing in families. In cities, throughout the nations. Because people would rather love themselves than to wholeheartedly love God. And it will continue until the day of Lord Jesus returns. And He's only taking those who belong to Him, you all. God help us. Moses was laying it out. But they approached Moses. Now they heard everything Moses said. We simply want to build pens for our livestock and fortify towns for our wives and children. Then we will arm ourselves and lead our fellow Israelites into battle until we have brought them safely into their land. Meanwhile, our families will stay in the fortified towns we build here here, so they will be safe from any attacks by the local people. We will not return to our homes until all the people of Israel have received their portions of land. But we do not claim any of the land on the other side of the Jordan. We would rather live here on the east side and accept this as our great A grant of land. Then Moses said, If you keep your word and arm yourselves for the Lord's battle, and if your troops cross the Jordan and keep fighting until the Lord has driven out his enemies, then you may return when the Lord has conquered the land. And look who's conquering the land, you all. The Lord. (laughs) You will have fulfilled your duty to the Lord and to the rest of the people of Israel. And the land on the east side of the Jordan will be your property from the Lord. But if you fail to keep your word, then you will have sinned against the Lord. And you may be sure that your sin will find you out. Go ahead and build your towns for your families and pens for your flock. But do everything you have promised. Your sin will find you out. There's a lot of people who come. Notice how they did. The only thing they replied to Moses was they just wanted to meet their physical needs. They didn't hear anything else. Okay, okay, we'll do this. Just give us this. Ah! That's what you want? Here. But in saying this, you need to fulfill what God has called the community to. And if you don't keep your word, understand this, your sin will find you out. It will be exposed. And they have already seen how God deals with rebellion they knew what was ahead of them if they didn't keep their word rebellion is nothing to make light of you all they could have what they want to settle for but it's nothing compared to what was ahead of them and yet Moses says you know what Have what you want, but you're going in to battle with your brothers. You're going to do what the Lord has called the whole community to do. Then the men of Gad and Reuben replied, We, your servants, will follow your instructions exactly. Our children, wives, flocks, and cattle will stay here in the towns of Gilead. But all who are able to bear arms or cross over to fight for the Lord, just as you said. So Moses gave orders to Eleazar the priest, Joshua son of Nun, and the leaders of the clans of Israel. He said, "The, the men of Gad and Reuben who are armed for battle must cross the Jordan with you to fight for the Lord. If they do, give them the land of Gilead as their property when the land is conquered. But if they refuse to arm themselves and cross over with you, then they must accept land with the rest of you in the land of Can- Canaan. The tribes of Gad and Reuben said again, We are your servants, and we, do, and we will do as the Lord has commanded. We will cross the Jordan into Canaan fully armed to fight for the Lord, but our property will be here on this side of Jordan. So Moses assigned the land to the tribes, And then he lists all the lands and the tribes and how they were assigned. Chapter 33. This is where Moses begins to write out Israel's journey. And I just want to read this commentary real quick from Bill Bright on chapter 33. One of the greatest sins Israel committed against God was unusual. They forgot. They refused to remember the way God had faithfully blessed them, and they forgot the covenant promises they had made to God as part of his covenant with them. What follows is a travelogue with seemingly little detail, more than a list of obscure place names. However, it is notable that the record lists 40 stops during the wilderness wanderings, which according to the accepted length of a generation took 40 years. The names of many places recount more than geography alone. They often served to remind Israel of instances of their disobedience and or displays of God's faithfulness. The travelogue ends and the chapter concludes with instructions concerning the conquest of Canaan. Each tribe had to drive out the Canaanites or other inhabitants in their assigned territory. Some tribes did just that. Other tribes dominated their territory while allowing some Canaanites to remain. Still other tribes were mere, merely assimilated themselves into the existing culture. All three methods existed in the land, but the ramifications for their worship of God and their relationship with Him differed greatly. The blessings of pure faith did not rest on people who failed to uphold the first commandment of worshiping God alone. Do we hear that? And as we see, as we move through these chapters, as they go into the land, there were some tribes who were faithful to what God called them to. The other tribes, they weren't. And as it is with today, God help us, you all. Don't have the mindset to settle to remain on the outside of God's promises. Don't have the mindset to step in and, and just grab hold just a few of the promises, but the rest just let go and just keep living however you think you want to live. The justice of God will not be mocked. You will harvest what you plant. God is not looking for wishy-washy people. Seek Him and you will find Him if you seek Him with your whole heart, not a divided heart. Not one foot in and one foot out. No, but a life completely surrendered to Christ Jesus. A life who is willing to move forward as the Holy Spirit brings conviction, He is not going to force us to love Him. No greater love than this that will ever be displayed than for one to lay down their life for their friend. And that's what He did for us, and that's what He calls us to. He's not going to force us to love Him. But do you love Him? And even Christ Jesus himself say, Why do you say, Lord, Lord, and not do what I command? Why would we want to live and continue to live lives that grieve the Holy Spirit, that do not bring honor to Christ Jesus? Come on, we got to wake up. These people were about to enter in, they were once slaves. <laughs> In Egypt, they had a hard life and God heard their cries and God set them free. And instead of clinging to God, worshiping him only, they began to benefit from their relationship with God, but they weren't fully satisfied with God. They were still trying to find their wholeness, their satisfaction, and their rebellion. God help us. Chapter 33. I'm only going to read verse 1 through 4 first. This is the route the Israelites followed as they marched out of Egypt under the leadership of Moses and Aaron. At the Lord's direction, Moses kept a written record of their progress. These are the stages of their march, identified by the different places where they stopped along the way. They set out from the city of Ramses in early spring. On the 15th day of the first month, on the morning after the first Passover celebration, the people of Israel left defiantly in full, full, full view of all the Egyptians. Meanwhile, the Egyptians were burying all their firstborn sons, whom the Lord had killed the night before. The Lord had defeated the gods of Egypt that night with great acts of judgment. Do you keep a journal? You ought to. You ought to chart the course until you take your final breath. The good, the bad, the ugly. <laughs> Your rebellion, His goodness, His faithfulness. <laughs> so you can look back and see how God has moved. See how you've grown and how you've matured. I told you in seasons where the enemy's coming at full force. I begin to feel discouraged or overwhelmed. And I can't think of any scripture. My mind is completely shocked. I can pull out a journal and I can begin to remind myself of who my God is and what my God has done and what His promises are. And before you know it, There's a fight brought back up in me to push back against the forces of hell, against the the pull of the world, against the desires of my flesh. And I can say, I remember who my God is. And it's in Him and Him alone that I put my trust and my hope in. Come on, you all, we gotta wake up. Instead of constantly going under. we got to wake up. we got to know how to fight. He trains us up for battle. He gives us the weapons of our warfare to demolish strongholds. We are a liberated people. We are a freed people. People who should have joy and hope no matter the circumstances around us. What are people seeing in your life today? What are they hearing coming from your mouth? Do they find any hope of new life in you? <laughs> because people are searching. <laughs> and oh, how you should be quick to respond with the good news of Christ. Christ. Moses begins to document all the towns and places that they've been. We're going to pick up in verse 50. While they were camped near the Jordan River on the plains of Moab opposite Jericho, the Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. When you cross the Jordan River into the land of Canaan, you must, you must, Drive out all the people living there. You must destroy all of their carved and molten images and demolish all of their pagan shrines. Take possession of the land and settle in it because I have given it to you to occupy. You must distribute the land among the clans by sacred lot And in proportion to their size, a large large portion of land will be allotted to each of the larger clans. A smaller portion will be allotted to each of the smaller clans. The decision of the sacred lot is final. And this way, the portions of the land will be divided among your ancestral tribes. But if you fail... To drive out the people who live in the land, those who remain will be like splinters in your eyes and thorns in your sides. They will harass you in the land you in the land where you live, and I will do to you what I have planned to do to them. These are the words of the Lord to his people. He has given them the land in which he had promised. He tells them, drive out the people, tear down their idols. Nothing is to remain. It is your land. You take it, you settle in it. You're my people. Worship me and me alone. But if you refuse to, if you refuse to, then understand this. It's not going to go well for you. There will be a splinter in your eye and a thorn in your side. And on top of that, I'm going to do to you what I have planned to do to them. And I would dare say, as it was then, so it is now. He says to the church, you are my people. I have purchased you by the blood of my son. I have sent forth the Holy Spirit to bring conviction to reveal my righteousness through my son Jesus and for the judgment that is coming I have made a way for you to be reconciled to me to be at peace with me to receive my love now tear down all those idols That you worshipped and that you clung to. All those years. Remove, shatter everything. That reminds you of who you were. And what they've done to you. And everything from your past. Because I'm going to make you whole. You're my beloved. Come. Bowling into my presence. Worship me. Honor me. But if you don't. If you just want to come in and play church. If you just want to have a form of religion. If you just want to talk double-sided of your mouth. If you just want to post something about the blessings of God and, and, and then post something that is so vile and offends me. You're so easily caught up with yourself and with your sin and you're allowing it to master you. You keep yielding to the people of the world, getting caught up in their identification. Well, understand this. All of that is going to be splinters in your eyes and thorn in your sides. And what I plan to do to the people who refuse me, you're no different than them. I'm going to do to you as well. You will be swallowed up into my wrath. Come on, we got to wake up. And we just want to pretend, we just want to play church. it's okay. Say a little prayer. Poof, poof. You're a Christian. Oh, it doesn't matter. God's grace will cover you. Oh, it's okay. Remain enslaved to sin. Keep worshiping the idols in your life. Keep giving yourself over to anything and anyone. It's all okay. God understands. God's gracious. God is kind. God is love. Shh. Quiet, quiet, oh no, no, don't be so, don't, 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 no, 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 you don't need to become so religious and and be so holy, now come on, you're just a sinner, you're just a flesh, shh, it's okay, quiet down now, sing your little songs, (laughs) say your little prayers, but don't believe in the God who has called you to himself. No, believe in me, Satan whispers. He's an angel of light. All throughout time, religious people who thought they are right with God all along has been wrong. They've been on the outside. They've been on the outside. They never loved God. (laughs) They just held a form of godliness. But yet they denied His power to transform. They denied the work of the Holy Spirit. Are you comfortable with that today? Are you comfortable... Denying the Holy Spirit. God help us. I keep telling you what Scripture says, not what I say. The Bible tells us not to have anything to do with anyone who says that they're a Christian and yet doesn't live like one. That's what the Bible says have nothing to do with those who hold a form of godliness, but deny by power. He doesn't tell us not to stay away from the world, to stay away from the lost. No, we're to have compassion because we were once there. We know what it's like. And yet now we know the freedom that is found in Christ and we can't help but tell others. Don't even eat with a Christian who has an anger problem. Don't allow sin to be running rampant in the church. Call it out. Deal with it. If they don't want to repent, if they don't want to turn to Christ, throw them out. Treat them like an outsider in hope That their soul will be saved. Come on. That's why you have to have accountability. That's why you have to get discipled. That's why you need brothers and sisters in your life to come alongside you. We all need each other. Deal with the issues that are in your own life. Help assist others to grow in godliness as you're growing in godliness. Deal with the plank in your eyes so you can deal with the splinter in your brothers and your sisters. Get up and move forward. Don't settle. It's one thing this plague is, 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 is working in me. <laughs> It's showing me all the years of my life that I've settled in my Christian life. I've settled. I don't want to settle anymore. I don't want to settle. I want all of God's promises. They are yes and amen. I don't want to settle, and I've been saying that for for years now. I don't want to settle. But going through this each day, just seeing where the world is, seeing what's coming upon the earth. Having what God is speaking to me confirmed by people all throughout the earth. And I say, oh my God, it's coming. We don't know the day and hour of his return. But I can tell you this, before his return, the world is going to be thrown into chaos. And we can't even endure this plague. Oh, we got to wake up. We got to wake up. We don't want to be like these people who just settled. And we don't want to be like those who entered into the promise but weren't fully satisfied with God. Because they allowed the inhabitants to remain. Instead of driving them out and destroying their idols. Trust me, if anything from your past is still a calling you and it still lures you and you're dancing with it, you're singing with it, you're eating with it, you're sexing with it, you're doing whatever with it. <laughs> Understand this. It's controlling you. And it's not supposed to be you all. Your wounds from your past, your insecurities from your past. You're not to identify with it anymore. Grow up! For God's sakes, we've all been wounded. I've said it before, we all have a sad story. Stop telling your sad story. And start telling His story. Come on! Come on. Stop staying stuck because you see no way out. <laughs> Put your hand to the plow and move forward. Move forward. That is your direction. Move forward. Stop allowing the unsaved to benefit. From the principles of the kingdom. More than you are. The unsaved. There's some talented. Impressive people out there. They have a kingdom mindset. How to reap the benefits. From the kingdom principles. They will die. And go to hell. Because they don't know the king. Oh but they know the principles. And they will reap a bounty upon this earth. But they will face His judgment. There are unsaved people who don't have the hope in Christ making it through this plague, and they are fine. They have a vision for a the future. They're like, how can I step on this and get over and get more of me in it? And the church... We're still yoked with our lusts from the past. We're still yoked to our poor insecurities and our woundedness and our frailness and our anxiousness and perversion. (laughs) And we're trying to, and we're using all these distractions just to keep some type of sanity in our mind. But bless God. Praise Jesus. Ah, come on. Come on. I'm serious, you all. We can't any longer just keep settling. We are God's people. His holy remnant. His chosen ambassadors. Go to Luke chapter 4, verse 31. Luke 4, verse 31. 31 through 5, verse 11. Oh, I don't like you yelling at us all the time, Rob. Oh, I don't like every time I just feel so beaten down. Well, go find someone who will tickle your ears and make you feel better. We don't have time to play games anymore. Do you know how many people have come in and come out of this place and they're so offended by what it's preached? And it saddens me. Because they don't want to give up their old life, they want to cling to it. Just do for us. Just serve us. Just give me, give me, give me. But don't you dare hold up any accountability. Who do you think you are? Who does he think he is? (laughs) Jesus, please. I refuse just to put on a show for you all and pat yourself on the back. Now scoot along. No. We don't have time for that. We don't have time for that. And God helped the church at large to not go back to her old ways before the plague. He threw us all out of the building. And churches are scrambling, what do we do, what do we do, what do we do? What about our programs, what about this, what about that, what do we do as we come back? Oh, how I pray that they're seeking Jesus. And that a, a revival will come forth like we've never seen before in this earth. That God's people will rise up. and move empowered by the Holy Spirit to accomplish His purposes for them and their generation. Chapter 4, verse 31 of Luke. Then Jesus went to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and taught there in the synagogue every Sabbath. There too the people were amazed at His teaching, for He spoke with authority. Once when he was in a synagogue, a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit cried out shouting, Go away! Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. The demons know who Jesus is. They interrupted the service. You're here to destroy us? Oh, I know who you are. But Jesus reprimanded him. Be quiet. Come out of the man, he ordered. At that, the demon threw the man to the floor as the crowd watched. Then it came out of him without hurting him further. Amazed, the people exclaimed, What authority and power this man's words possess. Even evil spirits obey him and they flee at his command. The news about Jesus spread through every village in the entire region. Listen, this is Jesus, you all. This is whom we say we are in. This is whom we say we belong to. All authority and power is in Jesus. So why are we cowering down? Giving ourselves over to the flesh. Giving ourselves over to the pool of the world. And giving ourselves over to demons and to Satan. Being more afraid of darkness. Or being drawn to it to be entertained by it. And say, oh, nothing hurts. Letting our children take it in. And Jesus, we see here, has all authority and power. Even the demons have to obey Him. God, help us. The news began to spread. After leaving the synagogue that day, Jesus went to Simon's home, where He found Simon's mother-in-law very sick with a high fever. Please heal her. Everyone begged, standing at her bedside. He rebuked the fever and it left her. And she got up at once and prepared a meal for them. Don't read by that scripture too fast. He not only removed the fever, but he healed her completely. We've all had fevers before. And we know that when fevers break, we are still worn down. This woman was healed completely. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Nothing of the illness remained with her. She got up and she served. She threw down a meal for Jesus. (laughs) As the sun went down that evening, people throughout the village brought sick family members to Jesus. No matter what their diseases were, By God, and the touch of his hand healed everyone. Many were possessed by demons, and demons came out at his command, shouting, You are the Son of God! But because they knew he was the Messiah, he rebuked them and refused to let them speak. They were not going to get the glory for proclaiming the good news. That wasn't meant for the demons. You wonder why he's telling them to shut up? He's rebuking them? Because the good news was not made for them, it was made for us, it was made for the church. We are to carry out the good news. We are to proclaim that he is the Messiah, that he is the Son of God, that all authority and power belong to Jesus. Early the next morning, Jesus went out into an isolated place. The crowd searched everywhere for him, and when they finally found him, they begged him not to leave them. But he replied, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too, because that is why I was sent. So he continued to travel around preaching in synagogues throughout Judea. Entering chapter 5 through verse 11. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. We worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized that what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, O Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid, for now you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. You see, the crowd was hungry for Jesus. They were pressing in. They wanted more. Are you hungry for Jesus? Are you pressing in to Jesus? Are you obeying Jesus? Simon Peter could have said, No, I'm not. Listen, I'm the fisherman here. You're a carpenter. You're a teacher. You've never fished a day in your life. No, I'm exhausted. My men are exhausted. We've been out there all night. We've done finish washing our nets. He could have made every excuse. But if you ask, I'll do. And in his obedience... The multiplication of the amount of fish that were gathered that day was so impressive. But Simon Peter said, Leave me. I'm a sinful man. But Jesus says, No, no. I know you're a sinful man. Simon Peter, but I'm about to transform your life. <laughs> you come and follow me. Because now, you're going to be fishing for people. You see, when you see your need for a Savior, when you recognize how sinful you are, His grace transforms you. You receive the Holy Spirit who again brings the conviction that leads you into repentance. You have a full understanding of the righteousness of God through His Son Jesus and you understand the judgment that is coming upon the earth. And you can't help but be about your Father's business. Oh, come on you all. Psalm 64. Hmm. Psalm of David. Again, as I've encouraged you, we all should know this by now, we're called to look up. And don't miss out on what the psalm is saying. David is describing the power of words. Your words are even are either bringing forth life or they're bringing forth death. You have self control. You just don't have to spew out everything. Some of us would be good just to stay silent for a while. Because all that comes out is murmuring, complaining, fault-finding. It's vile. It's full of anger. It's full of wrath. It doesn't build up. And if it's not building up, then shut up. It's, come on, we got to stop it. They're either tearing down or they're building up. They're either speaking forth life or they're laying upon curse and death upon people. Listen to what David says here. Oh God, listen to my complaint. Protect my life from my enemy's threats. Hide me from their plots of this evil mob, from this gang of wrongdoers. Verse 3, circle it, highlight it. They sharpen their tongues like swords and aim their bitter words like arrows. people aren't going to have nice things to say about you. But don't you dare cower down. Look up. Look up. They shoot from ambush at the innocent, attacking suddenly and fearlessly. They encourage each other to do evil and planning how to set their traps in secret. Who will ever notice, they ask, as they, as they plot their crimes? They say, we have devised the perfect plan. Yes, the human heart and mind are cunning, but God himself will shoot them with his arrows, suddenly striking them down. Their own tongues will ruin them. And all who see them will shake their heads and scorn. Then everyone will be afraid. They will proclaim the mighty acts of God and realize all the amazing things he's do- He does. The godly will rejoice in the Lord and find shelter in Him. And those who do what is right will praise God. Amen. Come on, you all. Don't easily give in. You just have to spew it out of your mouth. No, in and of yourself, you can't tame your tongue, but the Holy Spirit sure can. Yield your life to Christ. Allow the Holy Spirit to have full access to hold your tongue. Change your words. Repent. That's the key. Instead of remaining condemned, repent. When you know you're not living right, stop making excuses. Repent. Turn from. Ask. How do I live differently now? I know what I would talk. I know what I would say. But what am I to say now? I know what my triggers are. But I don't want to keep being triggered. Oh God, help me. Teach me. Show me your ways. Lead me to those who will disciple me. Those who are concerned more about my eternal than my temporal. God help us. Proverbs chapter 11. One nugget for today. You know it's a good one. Proverbs 11 verse 22. Proverbs 11 verse 22. A beautiful woman who lacks discretion is like a gold ring in a pig's snout. A beautiful woman who lacks discretion is like a gold ring in a pig's snout. Useless. She's useless. He's useless. <laughs> those who think they look good. Those who think they, they you know... They've got it all together, and yet they have no character. Are worthless. Are worthless. But praise be to God. If you're in Christ, you have worth. You have worth. Don't remain on the outside. Come in, you all. Every single person born is meant to have worth. All of us were born in complete rebellion as sinners, rebellion towards a holy God, broken from the moment we were conceived. But God has made a way for us to have worth, to be made whole, to have peace. And oh, how I pray that you are experiencing the fullness of His salvation. And if you're not, how I pray that you would feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, repent of your sins, Turn to Jesus accept Him as Savior be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit and go forth announcing the good news of our Lord because there's a dying world out there and we shouldn't be looking like them They should see a difference in us. Not because of anything of us, but because we are in Christ. We're not going to be liked. We're not going to be accepted. But there's a job that we're called to do. We're to be about our Father's business. We're to put our hands to the plow and not look back. Because if we look back, Jesus says, You're not fit. So we want to be people who have their hands to the plow, and we're looking forward. Amen. We want to be like those virgins who are ready. Our lamps are filled. We want to be like those workers who are entrusted, knowing that the owner could come back at any time. We want to utilize our talents and not hide them. We want to burn bright for our King of kings and our Lord of lords, Jesus you are. I'm going to close this with this last song and then I'll close this in prayer.